0: Welcome to the uh, Rick Beato podcast.
1: (laughs) Is Rick our new Matt Damon?
0: Where all we talk about is is Rick's videos. I'm telling you, Matt, I I just listened to the Ramble On. You go, you know, is this song, what makes this song great? Episode whatever it is. Uh, Ramble On by Led Zeppelin. And... uh, Yeah, it just gives a new appreciation for how I listen to music. And, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Like the stuff you hear on the surface. And then if you're fortunate enough to have a good system, I guess, with good speakers or good um, earphones, that you could actually hear the layers of music. Yes, which I think, if people if people could hear the layers of music in music like Led Zeppelin, they would appreciate music so much more. Mm -hmm. Because it is, and then to have someone like Rick uh, dissect the song, like the bass player. The drums, the lead guitar, and the vocals, uh, any production that goes on top of it is just amazing. And? And?
1: When you buy your MP3 from the Apple Store or the Google Store, yes, you are buying an extremely stripped-down version. Yeah, you only hear the Surface stuff. Like well I don't it's know. a lot of it's compressed, so a lot of it is missing. There's there's a video that Mike Turner shared. Yeah. Um, tell everyone who really Mike Turner is. Hmm? Mike Turner, former Mike Turner from, from, former founder, from founder International of National Boundaries.
0: <laughs> you started with that.
1: <laughs> started with plastic dolls. Actually, it was probably before I believe it was the wanted. He can he can confirm or deny this. I think it was called the Wanted back yeah. in the day, and then became Plastic Dolls. Yeah, and then became International Boundaries, which was your band. That was the band that you also played and in. And then he went on to start Our Lady Peace. Our News. Lady So Lady. Mike shared a video that yeah. was, uh, I I believe it was everything that was removed from you know Tom's Diner. Yeah. And when you listen to everything that was removed after compression, it's all this airiness and like, and a lot of the stuff that Rick talks about, you know, when he talks about sort of the sounds that carry on afterwards, for example.
0: Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer In the heart of Leslieville. Find him at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery.
2: Hey, my name is Story with two R's, and I'm a singer, songwriter, and multidisciplinary artist. And you are listening to Welcome to the Music.
1: awesome that was perfect
0: great thank <laughs> you and thank you for joining us thank you for taking time mm-hmm. out of your busy schedule i understand you might be is are you moving are you getting your, your place renovated
2: um i am moving i might be going to london england for a while mm-hmm.
1: whoa all right takes you there
2: Um, I just really wanted to check out the scene out there. So, and I'm an EU citizen and um, Brexit is kind of ending its transition for EU citizens to move there. So I'd have to basically go there before the end of the year. So I was like, you know what? There's nothing going on. Everything's online anyways now. So nothing can stop me from going out there for a few months and seeing what it's like.
0: Yeah. So this might be like a full time move even?
2: You never know. You I'm, never know. I'm such a gypsy. Like I, I literally just go where the wind takes me.
0: Yeah. That is so cool. Listen, congrats on on all the stuff you've been doing. You've got was it was it two albums this year that got released or was it just the one? Yeah. It was two, yeah. It was two. Greg, we've been interviewing people that are releasing two albums.
1: I think there seems to be a trend with, with this time and everybody shut down in the pandemic that, uh, yeah, it seems to be people being really productive right now, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. Is that is that what's happened, story? You, you just have all this time since March to, like, just create stuff?
2: Well, yeah, essentially. I mean, I put out my debut album, which was, like, you know, all my life kind of culminated to that point. And mm-hmm. then 30 days, not even 30 days after I released it, the world shut down and um, all the momentum I had kind of built was just like I had the wind taken out of my sails. So Hmm. I just decided that I needed to continue to be productive and otherwise I think I probably would have gone insane. So
0: yeah. Interesting. There's so I've noticed a couple of things, Greg, I don't know if you can, if you notice this, some of um, I guess, classic, artists. And by that, I mean older. So they'll use the, the term classic. They, we, you know, when we asked people like Kim Mitchell, when yeah. we asked, um, SAS Jordan, yep. yeah. Are you busy? Like, are you creating new stuff? Are you being inspired? And they said, I'm just relaxing now. You know, they, they were saying, no, I'm, I'm relaxing. I'm enjoying sort of staying at home and doing, uh, but then some of our, our younger, new up and coming artists, um, are like releasing stuff and being productive and doing a lot of things. Hmm. Um, I guess we haven't had time to sort of be tired. It's like, okay, I've got all this energy. Is is that what it is story? You've just, just all this energy you need to put somewhere.
2: I think so. I mean, I can't really sit still. I always like doing some sort of project. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I think it had a lot to do with the fact that, I am new in the industry, and so I would have lost all of my momentum if I didn't keep going. I yeah. think people who have been out for a long time, they can take the break. You know, It's not really going to affect their career as much, but when you're just starting to come out the gate, you can easily be forgotten. Um, if you don't keep rolling stuff out, consistency is key. and now, with algorithms kind of choosing mm. everything, you have like consistency is the key to the algorithms as well. so
1: and so you you released the EP, right the yeah. it, I think it was um, what what it's something we often talk to um, musicians about is you know the 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 art of the album. Mm-hmm. I don't mean art album or, uh, art, I mean like the art of putting together a whole album. Right. And even an EP um, almost seems, not lost, but people aren't focusing on that as much as they are the songs, right? And releasing just a continual drip of songs. So what, What? What? and I understand the concept of the EP, mm-hmm. was it that that made you release an EP versus just like, you know, dripping out music for your audience over this period of time?
2: Um, So, you know, my name is Story and I like to tell stories and I like telling more long form stories. Uh, I like telling stories within a song, but I also really love albums and I love concept albums. And so both of the albums are concept albums. And for me, um, it's kind of like watching a movie, you know, like there is this arc that happens. There's all these little bits of stories, these shorter stories happening, but then there's that arc that happens throughout the movie. And um, I just like to take my listeners on a journey, so it's important for me to have a conceptual kind of idea behind a record that I'm working towards. Even if I do first release singles,
0: mm-hmm. we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you how um, how your health is, given that you know we've all been. In quarantine, in some way, shape, or form, since March, um, how have you been? How have you been keeping keeping up uh, with your with your mental health and with everything else?
2: Thanks for asking. Um, my physical health has been good. My mental health has been challenging, but I'm very, very blessed. Um, I think about what my life would have been like if COVID had happened. Like maybe. I don't know, seven years ago. And I think Mm. I would have been in a much worse place because I was in an abusive relationship and I, my heart goes out to all the people who aren't their home. Isn't a safe space for them. Um, and mine is, you know, I live with my mother and she luckily still has a job. So she's been supporting me and my brother that live with her. And, um, so, you know, I have so much love in my house and we always have food on our plate. So I can't complain. Um, and yeah, I, I, I have a therapist that I speak to, uh, haven't been able to afford as much, you know, but I have spoken to her a few times during COVID and, um, yeah, it's, it's a constant battle, but, mm. um, I feel like I'm in a good place generally.
1: Yeah. That's, right, that's great. And, and I was, was going to say just to dovetail off that, mm. um, I saw somebody post tweet today about, to your point, you know, one of the big challenges right now are that the teachers and the healthcare workers, I'm talking for the younger kids are the eyes and the ears for like CAS and that with the lockdown and with, you know, everything happening, there's that concern. There's the domestic and there's also, well, I mean, it's probably that for the kids as well um, from that perspective, but it's, it's interesting you say that. Sorry. I just, Sort of keyed in on that tweet that I read earlier today I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up which was really you know during this time we're, we're losing the eyes and the ears of the people watching out for the kids anyways sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah in terms of um, it, it's been an interesting time for us I mean you know this has been cathartic to do this once a week mm-hmm. um you know I for me personally I got up to the Manasulin my wife and I she had the last year off she's a teacher so we took off sort of early June and went up and headed up to the Manitoulin and hid out there for three months. So that's really right. helped me. Yeah, oh, that's nice.
0: It's uh, it's interesting. This 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 time has sort of uh, I don't know how you feel about this story, but um, you, you, I sort of my eyes opened up. Right. Because we're told a number of things. We're told to stay at home. And you brought up, you know, there are people at home that that's sort of the worst place. For them, they going to work or leaving home to wherever it is that they go to school, maybe um, sort of gives them that relief.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, uh, And and then we're also told to wash our hands. Um, And and I've had the opportunity to uh, to have on uh, whether it's this podcast or another one that I host speak with indigenous people. And, you know, they talk to me about it in many uh, indigenous communities they don't have clean water Um, they have to in order to whether it's bathe in water or whether it's cook food with water they have to boil water first so it's not as easy or as simple as saying stay home and wash your hands
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know Um, Mm
2: -hmm. I have eczema on my hands so I understand and my ah. doctor was like "Uh, I know it's weird to say this right now um, but try to wash your hands as little as possible because I found (laughs) out about it when COVID started, when I started washing them so often, like I was, and also the, the uh, hand sanitizers. So um, I try my best now to wash with like not scented soaps and not use the hand sanitizer if I don't have to, and just wash my hands, get up and like go, you know, if, if possible. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time because I think when we're so focused on one thing being a problem, that we often forget about all these other problems that actually cumulatively, cumulative, I can't say the word.
0: <laughs> That's a hard
2: Cumulatively. There, we go. <laughs> there you go. That was a tongue twister. Um, that they are actually more problematic than this one problem. You know. Yes. Um, and that I think a lot of people like we don't think about people's um, mental health throughout all of this and the abuse and the um, the fact that people have other health conditions that they're ignoring because they're scared to go to the hospital. Um, another really big thing that I was talking about with a friend of mine, I really noticed Um, for me, especially this kind of inconsistency. So like, for instance, we're like in phase one, then we're in phase two, then we're in phase three, then we're back in phase two, then we might go to phase one. And you can never really plan for your life that way. And when your life is very um, inconsistent, Mm -hmm. um, it leaves you in a place of fear, because you can't really know where you're headed. And it's very. It reminded me of my abusive relationship because Mm. you never know what you were going to wake up to. It's like no matter what you did throughout the day, you don't know if you're going to wake up to someone being angry or if they're going to be happy. And similarly, it kind of feels this way. Like you're kind of walking on eggshells. You like don't know what's going to happen next, and so you can't really plan for your life. And I think that's very hard on people's mental health. I know that there isn't one right answer. Personally, mm-hmm. I feel like I would rather if it was just like, we're going to be in phase two until we find a vaccine because, you know, we can't afford to go to phase one because people have to work, but we also can't afford to like keep going back and forth. I feel like at least I could figure out a way to pivot or like find a different kind of job if I can't do live shows or, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Um So I don't know, like, it's kind of it's so crazy right now. And I think also, it's very interesting, because I've always, you know, theoretically known in my mind that we don't have control over our lives, like we really have just control over us and like, our Mm -hmm. own well being, but like, we don't really have control over what the rest of the world is doing. And like, even our actions are, are often based on everyone around us. So um So COVID was kind of a very strong lesson in telling everyone that you don't have control over the world. Like you just don't have control. Release the control you think you have over your life. And that was a lesson I learned about six Hmm. years ago. But it's very interesting because right now it's like clearly evident.
1: To everybody almost, right? Mm -hmm. Basically everybody. Or it should be. And it's also, I think, what's causing a lot of anxiety, right? Yeah, for sure. Acknowledge that those anxieties don't
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about music. Let's get back to to talk. Let's talk yeah, about let's story, let's talk <laughs> about music. Um, do you remember the first time you heard a song or you heard music and I don't know, I don't know what it is like with, with artists. Is it like, is there a lightning bolt? Is there a, 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 a funny feeling in your stomach? Um, like what was it for you that said, I want to do this. I want to be that. I want to sing.
2: There was no lightning bolt moment for me. All right. Uh, I don't remember my life without singing. I've been singing since I sang my ABCs. My dad has a picture of me with a microphone singing the ABCs at like, I don't know, two, three years old. Like, I don't even remember that time, but, um, Yeah, I just always loved singing and I was always good at it. And so everybody also like, you know, would compliment me and that felt nice too. So Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, And then it became my therapy as well. So like when my parents would fight or I was upset about something, I'd go to my room and I'd write music and I'd sing to myself. So
0: Were your parents musicians? was, Was there... I don't know, maybe your culture. Was there a lot of singing in the house, regardless if you were good or not good? Mm,
2: there was no, neither of my parents are musicians. My mother oh. always loved to sing All right. um, in Arabic. Okay. And um, she she sang me the Nami, Naomi uh, lullaby that's on the beginning, uh-huh. the first track and the last track on my album. So she's in the first track, she's singing with me, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So she's. She had a dream when she was a kid to be a singer, but it wasn't something she ever pursued. She never like mm. um, took singing lessons. So her pitch isn't the best and, you know, things like that, but she has a sweet voice and she would always sing around the house. But, um, and my dad, he's more of like, uh, he does construction and he's, he's more creative in that sense. Okay. In like visual sense. So I feel like I kind of got a bit of both and um, here I am.
0: And your brother's a musician as well?
2: He is. He's my younger brother. Okay. And um yeah, I don't know how him and I he's a prodigy. Like he's crazy. <laughs> I saw
0: I saw you guys did a uh oh what is it called? He was playing the piano. It was a live stream? Yeah, it was a live, live stream. RBC? No, it wasn't no, RBC. No. It's it's the uh oh it's it's usually when it's live, it's like in a in a weird place and there's like only twenty people show up. Um yeah, it was a live stream. It, it was, was a live stream. stream. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know who was hosting it, but yeah, he was playing the piano. You introduced him as your brother, but yeah, he, he, you two were like amazing.
2: Thank just, you. Yeah,
0: just the the renditions of your music, him on the piano and you singing. Uh, I sort of felt, if I closed my eyes, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a jazz club somewhere in Montreal. <laughs> just Relaxing. Is, uh, yeah my brother
2: he's he's very talented and he and piano is not even his first instrument his first mm-hmm. instrument is saxophone and okay. he so he plays that he plays the drums he play. he's just he's so smart
1: did you always play together or is it something that's developed later
2: or? actually we don't usually play together mm-hmm. okay um he doesn't he's actually in like video game designing and um he creates, like, uh, character like 3d animations and stuff like mm. he's crazy um so i don't uh we don't really do music together but ever since covid because we're living together and i needed an accompanist and i couldn't get an accompanist he graciously stepped in and learned all the music so
0: uh, well tell him he's amazing
2: well, i will the, the I both will.
0: of you the both of you for <laughs> sure you. um you, you finished, you now were you living, I know you went to Montreal to finish high school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Were you at the time living in Toronto and then moved to Montreal?
2: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Toronto, and then I okay. moved to Montreal for five years.
0: Okay, was that, and that, was that specifically for music, to go to a special music high school or something like that? Or
2: No, I did go to a, a music high school, it's called FACE, so Fine mm-hmm. Arts Core uh, Education, Mm-hmm. Uh, downtown montreal but uh no it was just my dad got a job out here so we oh, moved. okay
0: yeah. ah and are you still in montreal
2: no i moved back to oh, toronto okay, for university here. and
0: that's right um
2: yeah but it, i love montreal so much
0: yeah. <laughs> if it
2: wasn't so cold i'd probably live there permanently
0: what and i'm just going by i guess your sound and what i've heard so far and by the way i find it uh interestingly strange i don't know if that's the right term to use that you were nominated for a reggae like in the reggae you know for judo for reggae music i'm like what What? i have not heard this although i could hear some of it in some of your music Mm -hmm. but to me you're like it's just a beautiful i don't know greg is jazz
1: would that be well i i I was i was going to comment on just the the variety this the variety of sounds that you use Mm -hmm. yeah um, the variety of of uh... yeah I, yeah I, 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 to me I would never be able to nail it down to one specific genre.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah.
1: various genres that you use within your.
0: I'll say I'll see this though, story. It's not like it doesn't sound like music that you hear on pop radio. Like it's not a. It's not a, It doesn't sound poppy. It's, it sounds very, to me, it sounds very, uh, it sounds so perfect. It just sounds so good. <laughs> like, the, you know, I don't know. It, like, it just sounds so, so good. It's like, the, it, it's not produced in a bedroom sort of thing. And I, I'm not putting anyone down who does that stuff, but um, it just, it just sounds very professionally done. Your voice is just amazing. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's just phenomenal, but I'm I'm curious how you landed on your sound. That was a question I wanted to ask you is how you right. landed on your particular sound.
2: So, I mean, I've done, I've sang like everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I grew up singing the greats like Celine Dion and Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. And mm-hmm. that's who I learned singing from, you okay. know? Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, I got into R&B and hip hop, and then I joined a gospel choir and I was soloing for the gospel choir. And then I started studying opera and then I went to Jamaica and I spent a lot of time there and did reggae music and got into dance hall. And then I was doing some rock stuff. And then, I don't know, like, I just, I love all music to me we are all multi-dimensional beings and Mm -hmm. all genres of music have these different dimensions and so how could i possibly do one i just i don't like albums that have the same like i've listened to quite a few albums and i get bored halfway through because i'm like this all sounds like the same song like i i want more variety Hmm. Um, so I make, I make albums that I would want to listen to, I guess. Um, yeah. cause I like to be taken on a journey and, and, um, so they don't really always fit into a clear genre and they don't always fit clearly onto a Spotify playlist because of that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've taken a bit of a hit for that, but I want to create a legacy for myself and I want to create something that. I'm gonna be proud of, and that is gonna last the test, like stand the test mm. of time. You know,
1: who do you who do you take a hit from? That's an interesting comment, Wanda. Like,
2: um, just like the Spotify stuff, uh-huh. like they can't fit me because uh-huh. they don't know what genre I fit into, and like my songs don't necessarily fit in between a bunch of like contemporary R and B songs, or like right. you know what I mean. So, um, everything has generally the same a similar sound, at least with, like, pop music. Sure, and yeah. my, my music is structured like pop songs. They're just not... Exactly. Like pop songs. So it's hard, you know, they don't, and it doesn't fit into jazz either. Like it's not, they're not jazz songs. So I wouldn't fit on a jazz playlist either. So it's very interesting. It's very hard for me to find a place. And often I find different songs will fit into different playlists because that are completely different opposing genres. Um, yeah.
0: So do you, will go, you know, let's go back to that conversation because you talked about you, you like, Concept albums, you you like putting out a, a long story, hence albums rather than singles at a time. Did you ever have you ever thought about internally creating like focusing your music on how can I win the quote unquote Spotify game? You know, do I put out a song? Okay, then that'll fit on that playlist. If I put out song number two, that'll fit me in the same one or a different one or Have you ever thought of doing that?
2: Of course, because I could write things like that very easily. Like I'm, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I consider myself to be a pretty strong songwriter. So I just, I'm like, okay, if I wanted to, I probably could make an album like this. That would sound like that. So it can fit in this, but I just don't know if I would be happy. Mm with like, I need to know that I can sing that song every single night for the rest of my life (laughs) in order to feel good about it. Because I mean, if once you blow for a song, you're going to have to sing it forever. So you better love the song.
0: That is so true. Greg is laughing. Is there a song Greg you have in mind or?
1: (laughs) No, I know. I was just thinking of (laughs) some of some of the musicians who just don't play certain songs anymore, even though the 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 people that love them want to hear that song. So that's why I was yeah. sort of chuckling on that one.
0: Yeah. I was just sort of thinking, does Deaf Leopard like playing pour some sugar on me anymore? <laughs> I'm just wondering whether, you know, they go, yeah, let's not let's not sing that song anymore. <laughs> we're, we're sick of it, or I can't believe we 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 did that. Um, I have two, two, two pieces, two, two sentences I wrote down here. Um, You almost studied medicine. Is that, is that correct? Or did I read that wrong?
2: Yeah, I I did. Yeah. (laughs) When I was a kid. All right. I wanted to be a doctor and a singer. And um, I was, I think about seven or eight years old. Okay. And I asked my parents for medical books for Christmas. That's what I wanted for Christmas. I was such a nerd. I really was such a nerd. I'd go to the library and take out as many books as possible. And they were all nonfiction. Okay. Your parents must've been so happy. She's asking for medical books. Oh my God. Are you you kidding me? No, they, they like, were so tired of me being like, just telling them all these facts all the time. (laughs) But, um, and then they gave me these two books and they were like, just kind of um, like biology, like just showing you the, the muscles and the the names of everything. It was just kind of like charts. Yeah. And I really wanted a book that would tell me more about how the body actually functioned. So I was like, guys, like, thanks so much. But like, <laughs> and they're like, listen, just study those books. And then once you know all the names, then you can, then we'll get you another book. But they never did because I was so bored of just learning the long ass names for all of the, (laughs) you know, the bones, you know, I wanted to actually understand how the body was functioning. Wow. Anyway.
0: And then that was it. They, they, they waited you out.
2: Not really. I mean, I probably would have I might've continued, but I had to be realistic. I had to pick one thing or the other, um, later on in life. And also I, I just really, I'm not a huge fan of Western medicine. Um, I practice more like naturopathic and holistic medicines, and it wasn't really that popular when I was about to go into school. So I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to study to be a naturopath. Sure, um, now I probably would consider doing something like that or, or a therapist um, something along those lines. I'm very I love uh, for me, this is what I love about music and this is what I love about medicine and this is what I love about you mm. know therapy and everything is the transformation that it mm. does that it gives to people. Uh, I love coming off the stage. And seeing people who had come in one way leave another way, and it's a similar thing for me with um, any kind of art that I do, and with 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 the idea of medicine, it's the transformation of people and people becoming better or healthier people when they leave, and that's what really um, drives me forward. That's my mm. why behind everything that I do. So, if music isn't doesn't end up being my bread and butter, like I'm not. I'm not upset about that because I know that I can transform people's lives in many ways. And I would go back to school and study medicine or therapy um, to become a psychotherapist or something.
1: Wow. That's interesting. I know, I know, I think I've read that you went to India to take a bit of a break at one point in your life. Is that like, it sort of sounds like what you're talking about there going there and like how much of an impact did that have obviously on your life significantly, but also on your, your music and your decisions in life?
2: Yeah, well, so I went to I went to India after I had left my ex-boyfriend who had, you know, put me in a strip club, coerced me, took all my money, was physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially abusive, like he just exploited me in every way and none of my family or friends knew anything that was happening. You know, um and I didn't have it in me to open up just yet I needed time and so I decided that I was going to go to India and um, I went out there for three months and I couch surfed and um, I studied yoga uh, Mm. because I was planning on becoming a yoga instructor and opening up a vegan restaurant with my aunt uh,
1: Mm.
2: when I got back And it was the omens that brought me back to doing music because my ex had taken all of my hard drives and the whole studio and everything. So I didn't even have an MP3 of my voice. And it was, you know, that world was filled with trauma for me. So um, the idea of going back before I had gone to India was like a a definite no, you know, Mm. So I'm really happy that that trip happened and it. It brought me back to music
0: and art. You're you're very open about your past. You don't uh, you don't hide from it. You, I don't know if embrace is the correct word to use, but you sort of embrace the lessons, I guess, that you learned mm-hmm. from there. And in fact, you know, your your music is almost a response uh, to to your to your past. Um, that must have been a difficult. Uh, sort of decision to come to was, was to not forget, or was that easy for you?
2: No, it was a hard, it was a hard thing to do. And it still is a hard thing to do because I don't have all the answers. Mm. And I know that the things that I talk about can be touchy. And mm-hmm. so um, my purpose behind doing it is to try to elevate those that are in those experiences and that don't have their stories being told very often. And so they don't feel like they can talk about it with anyone or feel good about themselves. And so I think it's really important. And I think that um, I've come to a point in my life where I have enough support and I feel strong enough that I can be an anchor, hopefully for other people. but yeah, it's it's never it's never easy, hmm. you know. It 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 doesn't. It gets a little bit easier sometimes, but I'll tell you, sometimes like I'm still scared shitless. I don't know if I'm
0: allowed to say that. You're allowed to yeah. swear. <laughs> okay. <We're mine. laughs> yeah.
2: okay. Um. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, yeah. For instance, like I went on tour in the states, and um, this was just before the pandemic hit. And uh, anyway, so I, I went I went to a bunch of cities, and there were a couple of the cities that were you know like in Indianapolis, and it was like all white people, and some of them were a lot older, and I was so nervous. I yeah. was like, oh my god, should I tell my story? Should I? Should I like sing "Fuck Me Good"? You know, like w- mm-hmm. what do I do? And um, it's interesting because. I was so nervous and here I am, I'm judging them. Right. And they're judging what they're, what I think they're going to think of me. And like, I'm, I'm scared they're going to judge me, but I'm judging them thinking they're going to judge me. And so I just decided, okay, I'm just going to go up and I'm going to speak my truth. It is what it is. And um, what's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? Somebody walks out. Okay. So what? They weren't meant to be there anyway. Yeah. So I go and I, and I sing and I just do me. And at the end, it was like those same cities that I thought were going to, that I was afraid of speaking my truth to, they were the most receptive about my story. Wow. So you never know. You don't Hmm. actually know. We think that we know how people are going to react, but we are not fortune tellers. You know what I mean? We act like we are all the time. And I would always say, I'm like, I'm great. I have such a good intuition. And generally (laughs) I do, but you know, sometimes I'm fucking wrong. You know what I mean? Like, so I basically, um, I learned a great lesson then. And, um, I had learned that lesson actually when I had come back from India as well. And I had told a bunch of my friends and family about what had happened to me. And I thought a bunch of my family and friends would be angry with me or disown me or whatever hmm. and the few people that I thought would actually be by my side were the people that actually weren't and the people that I thought would react badly were the hmm. ones who embraced me so you don't you can't tell like you can't know these things
0: yeah that is that is so that is so so interesting um do you I want to talk specifically about your, I guess it's a video, but really it's like a mini film, the claymation film that you did for, is it the song up? Yeah. Yeah. How, so first of all, just technically, like how long does it take to make something like that?
2: Okay. It's okay. Well, first of all, I actually never did anything like that before. So it probably took me a little bit longer than other people, but, um, it was about a four month. Um, journey, yeah, and uh, we. So, for example, each second is twenty-four pictures, and you have to take each picture and and move everything incrementally in the same directions that you need them to move, and then take a picture. And so, and you have to build all the characters as well, and build the set, and build everything. So, mm-hmm. it, you know that whole process of building and, you know, creating the storyboard and deciding what, you know, angle the, the shot was going to be from and all that, that was like, yeah, it was a four month journey. And it was, it, it normally would take about two hours without any problems to do one second.
0: if wow. Once you have
2: all the characters and everything in place. So
0: that's and the story—it uh, was uh, like as as I was watching the video, I found myself not listening, mm. and just watching. Um, but tell tell me about what's what's the song? What's the video about?
2: So it's basically about overconsumption. You know, it, it tells two stories. It, hmm. One is it is about a codependent relationship where. The girl is trying to clean up this guy's mess all the time. He is leaving dirt everywhere and she just keeps trying to clean it, but it keeps piling up further and further because when we are in codependent relationships, we think we're helping the other person, but we're actually enabling their bad behavior. Hmm. Um So that was one side of the coin. And then the other side was the consumption and the idea that our self-worth is often linked to this consumption. So initially the man is trying to lift a rock because he wants to show how strong he is to this lady and he loses his arms. And so she puts the arms back on for him and she kisses him and she's like, no, you're fine. I love you just how you are. It's okay. But he that's not enough because now his ego is bruised and our egos are our worst enemy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and our worst enemy for our relationships as well. So he goes and he drinks this potion and then we watch him continue to consume things, thinking that he will get better and be better if he just consumes more. And then he loses that whole relationship altogether.
0: Yeah, that, that was that was phenomenal. A good exactly. four month, good four month journey.
2: Yeah, it's been in some film festivals, like over a dozen oh. now. It's won a couple awards, so nice. I'm, I'm very proud of it.
1: Yeah, that's great. I wanted I wanted to uh, I wanted to explore something, which is where I thought Cream was going earlier. Um, a Statement that you've made a couple of times, being an ex musician myself, hmm. um, along the lines of strip clubs in the music industry. You describe them as sort of equally misogynistic and Problematic. Hmm. I sort of. I want to. I want to explore that with you. Um, again, I'm. I'm. I'm many years out of the industry and older than you. But um, can you expand on that?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure you know, but when we watch the, you know, the artists on TV and we hear about them, we. I mean, you have to be kind of dense to not notice that it's, there's a lot of exploitation and sexualization happening, you know, especially with the idea of labels and that's why they're getting so much um, heat right now because people are waking up to the fact that it's hugely exploitative and kind of like pimping. Mm. (laughs) And so um, I would often say like when I left the, 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 the strip club and I started getting into the music industry more heavily Um, I really didn't like it. I was so, I was at, there were so many times where I just cried and I was like, why am I even doing this? This is horrible. This is, is this how I'm going to be treated for the rest of my life? I really thought that because I didn't have another way of being treated. I had for so many years been in a strip club, been with my abusive boyfriend and been treated Um, a certain way and my only value seemed to be my beauty and my body. And then I was in the music industry and it seemed that people couldn't see past my external beauty and they could only, um, and I had a guy blatantly, one one guy blatantly said to me, I cannot work with you. He was a producer and a very Mm. big producer. And he said, I cannot work with you because, um, all I can think about is fucking you. So what? yeah, he literally just said that he's like, you're very talented, but it's not going to happen. And it's interesting because I really was like, Jesus, like at least at a strip club, I know the transaction. You give me $20, I get naked, you know, one song, $20. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. At least I know what I'm getting. When you're in the music industry, you don't know what you're getting. You go into a room and you think you're going to be doing work and then they try to do something. And then you think, um, I I know plenty of girls. Like I tried my hardest. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to sleep with anyone in this industry because I don't want to make it up there. Even if I liked someone I like didn't want to ever wonder if I had made it for that reason so I was like okay I don't I'm gonna just like not mix pleasure and business any longer you know
0: mm.
2: and so but I know plenty of people who have slept with people and they it's not like it helped them there isn't like a clear transaction where you're like okay if you sleep with me then I will make you famous like it's not like that and so um, I found that very frustrating like that there was no real regulations it's kind of like the wild west in the music industry mm-hmm. there's um, there's no real protection and um, and it seems to be just everywhere even some of my friends friends that like that's why I often don't name people because it's like everybody knows everyone and for me to go this 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 guy they're going to end up having no one in the damn industry anymore you know what I mean like if they really were to like push them out and they're not going to do that and sadly it's like sometimes it's not even so blatant it's just these small things that happen and they just they limit your opportunities But it doesn't just happen in the music industry. For instance, my cousin told me that one time she was at this party and she just worked. This is just like a corporate thing Mm -hmm. um, that she used to work at. And so she's at this party um, for her work and people were getting super drunk. And she overheard this guy saying that basically the reason that she didn't get the job was because the guy who would have been her manager said that she was too hot and he wouldn't be able to concentrate
0: is there, I always think that these are just sh- shit that happens in movies. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, more and more, Greg, as you know, we talk to people and we hear these stories, it's like, what, like, seriously, these, these are, like, people that, the, these people sort of exist? Is um, Are there solutions, story, or is this, is this the reason why you, I read somewhere, I think that you, you do your own videos so that you don't need to worry about sort of any of this happening. So, so I, I guess, is this, is this the reason why you do that? Um, and is this part of the solution or are there other solutions?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I produced Chapter 3, The Come Up All, uh, me and my buddy Tom from high school known him since i was 14 Mm -hmm. so i definitely felt safe there and um so we produced and wrote the entire album and it's not because we're producers we didn't want to do it i think that the product would have been a little bit different and um I had it envisioned it a little bit differently, but um, I didn't have the means or the know-how to do it exactly how I wanted it. So I just used what I could and the resources that I had because I just didn't want to have to deal with any more of it. And also, um, I just it I just don't like having my life in other people's hands and then mm-hmm. feeling like like I owed people something and. Anyways, I just that's that was the reason. A lot of it was like out of desperation. I just didn't want to have to deal with that misogyny and and the sexualization. And I, I was just getting frustrated, you know. And I know that's not really always a good reason to like do stuff, but. Um,
0: but for I you, don't it know. Is, right? well, I think it I've, worked
2: out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think I think I was
1: sorry.
0: Yeah, you've 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 lived. You sort of had. You've come through something and you know what it's like. And it's like, no, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to, you know, so it's like, forget it. Yeah, this guy might have a big name or whoever, but no, been there, done that.
2: Exactly.
0: Not going to put myself in that position anymore.
2: Um, Um, And I would say as far as your question for, um, you know, what can you do? I think part of the solution is. Um, more women just doing stuff together and Mm. um, you know I had said this to uh, at a party one day and and people were like well you know like you you can have male allies and I was like yes you can but it's very important that women um, find uh, confidence to have this kind of autonomy because we're not taught to you know. Um, I had read somewhere and it was a while ago, so don't quote me on exact, um, percentages, Mm -hmm. but basically the article said something like, if there's a job posting and a male sees the job posting and he has 40% of what's on there, he will apply like 90% of them will apply. But it was the opposite for women. Women could have 90% of what was on there and like barely any of them, like maybe 20 or 30% would apply. Mm Um, And it's this kind of idea of perfection. It's, uh, being safe. You know, we're always taught to be safe, to play it safe. Um, we don't have this kind of like audacity that men do. And so I think, um, you know, as a male ally, you need to uplift the women around you and, you know, give them confidence, be like, you know, your vision is good. Keep going with it. Like, don't try to like fix it or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We need to make mistakes too. We need to fall on our ass and that's the best way to learn, but we're always Mm -hmm. taught to kind of play it safe. And I think a lot of men often think, well, I'm just making it better. But I think um, women more than anything need the confidence, especially if they have enough tools and they are going in a a good direction. Like don't kind of try to minimize their vision or, or make it more like yours. Um, Just, just give them the confidence to keep going. I remember doing interlude 19 and I've, I've told the story a few times, but junior T produced three of the songs on there and he's one of my good friends. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to him, Hey, do you want me to send you the voice memo of the song ideas that I have uh, before I record them. And mm-hmm. he goes, Nah, fam, everything you write is fire. Just record the thing and send me the stems when you're done, and I'll finish the production. And just him having that like confidence yeah. in me and what I did gave me the confidence in me to write and finish the record in seven days.
0: Nice. Um, we, Greg and I, we spoke with Ebony, Ebony Rowe, I think. Uh, mm. Yeah, I was, was
1: going to go next. I thought that was interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she's got the Honey Jam program and uh, the, the show and everything like that. Um, you know, she's, I, I don't know if you know Ebony or if you've worked with her at all.
2: I actually just had a podcast, um, like a, like an interview on, um,
0: Wait, You've done another podcast before this one?
2: <laughs> I
0: thought we were exclusive. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs>
2: um, it was with Nav Nanwa. I don't know if you know him, Mississauga.
0: Yeah, yeah, good yeah. Guy. So yeah.
2: he, we did one together, and so I was actually on it with Ebony.
0: Okay, was that your first time, I guess, meeting her virtually? Or
2: actually, I had also been um, an RBC, you know, emerging artist. Oh, yeah, so uh, like for for the concert series that they had put out so okay. they had done a master class for us that we got to you know take part in and she was one of the speakers so ah. i had met her before that but nice. she hadn't met me until then oh fair
0: enough <laughs> i'm wondering if there's if there's other because her, you know her whole idea is, is very similar right you know she was you know told that hey all these the depiction of women and rap and art and, and, and hip-hop and such and you know, so she was sort of looking for, you know, solutions to help, you know, uh, women out. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if there's other programs that, that you are aware similar to what uh, what Ebony is doing that, you know, you know, seek to empower and give support to women in the arts or music uh, communities.
2: Mm mm-hmm. um, There is a program that I just found out about with SoCan and uh I forget what it's called exactly, but I think if you go, if you're a SOCAN member and you go on their website and you just look up different programs or awards that they have, um, there is one for women to help women develop, especially if they want to develop their production skills. Um, But yeah, I don't know too many that are um, explicitly for women Mhm. Um I'd like to think that more and more are trying to bring about more diversity and so they're trying to bring more women and more people of color um, into
0: mm-hmm. these
2: programs. But um I don't know of any offhand.
0: Let's get back to music.
1: Sure.
0: I'm not good at these segues, Greg. I need to I need to
1: <laughs> figure this out I'm sure going, but you go.
0: Uh, we're all, I'm I'm all over the place at least. Um Okay, so I, I mentioned this before. You, you've been nominated for Juno uh, in the reggae. Is it reggae song category, reggae album category? Yeah, reggae song. Yeah. Reggae song category. Um, you know, you've already talked about you know different types of music and singing everything that um, you know. Why not? Especially again, you know, I'm, I'm you know, the, the the your singing is just phenomenal. Um, but tell me, how how did that song Another Man? Um, How did that come about? And yeah, how how does it feel being nominated for Juno?
2: Well, it was cool. You know, I wasn't expecting it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: um, I was actually going to the CBC building that morning when they announced it for another interview. And so um, I had asked my publicist, Ola, if she would come um, and meet me at the interview because um, normally she does. And she was like, no, um, I'm going to be at the Juneau, um announcement thing. I don't know what it's called. Anyways. So I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get an email for that. So I must have not gotten in, you know? Yeah. So I, I literally just didn't think I I got in at all. Mm-hmm. And then I'm walking up to the building and my friend sends me a text and it's like, congratulations on the nomination. And I'm like, Ugh, why are you fucking with me? This is not <laughs> a funny joke, you know, like don't play. And then Ola messages me and she is like, wow, congratulations. How come, you know, we didn't know about it. And anyway, so it was cool. And then I got to go upstairs after my interview and, um, they were kind of wrapping up the red carpet, but I made my, I made my way through.
0: You made your appearance.
2: <laughs> yeah. And for the, as for the song, um, yeah. I had gone to Jamaica and I was, I did a few songs actually with Sly and Robbie, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I had gone down for that reason. I mean, I have a few friends down there that I go and visit often. Um, but I had specifically decided I was going to stay longer. I was going to stay for about three months to work with Sly and Robbie. And, um, we were going to do a whole record, but, um, you know, everything's on Jamaican time out there. So it took <laughs> a little bit longer. We didn't end up doing a whole record. We just did a few songs. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then they put that one out. So I had been working on some stuff that I was going to put out myself, but that one was particular, like specifically for their record because they were, it's, um, I don't know if you know what a juggler rhythm is, but basically they, um, the producers out there will put out one rhythm or one uh, beat kind of like an instrumental and they'll give it to like seven artists and each artist will write their own song to it. Okay. And, but it's all on the same instrumental. Okay. And then they'll give it to different DJs and they'll play them, you know, uh, little snippets of them and they kind of all go together, which is cool. Oh, nice. Um, But it's a very popular thing in Jamaica to do. And so they had released it. I had made it a year before that, probably more than a year before that. So I didn't even think anything was going to happen with the song. And they just put it out. And I was like, actually really upset because they didn't put the um, ad lib track that I had comped for it. Okay. So they had put a whole different ad lib track. So if you listen to the end of the song, you can hear me even leaving the booth and being like, no, the other take was better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. yeah so and i was so livid because i was like oh my god they used the wrong trap they didn't tell me anything they p- just put it out and i was like so upset but um you know you got to pick your battles it was a great song so i'm like okay it's okay but like at first i was so angry i didn't even want to share the song <laughs> oh wow it was so bad and it's funny because that's the one i got nominated for you know
1: so from the excitement of the junos to the excitement of or maybe not one thing i have to ask about is i think if i'm not mistaken a 16 year old story on canadian idol did oh, i find yeah. that oh yeah did you find did. That? yeah okay.
2: you did oh my god yeah. you're digging yeah. into my shit. Yeah. What, is going on?
1: <laughs> what was that experience like
2: um it was cool well, you, have was... The,
0: you have to tell the story Tell the story about like what happened and then, and then, and then, and then tell us about.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, you're a kid, you like want, <laughs> you want people to think you're a good singer. So you sure. think that's how people are going to find you. Um, my family didn't have money. We, you know, I wasn't going to be able to make a record on my own. So that seemed like the best way to get discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very shy back then. And so um, it wasn't as fun, I think as an experience for me as it was, I think for a lot of other people,
1: Okay. Uh,
2: but it was cool. Like, I mean, they loved my voice, obviously, like I made it in, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. I mean, cool. I don't really think about that too much. I was like shocked that you yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. You guys did research.
0: We yeah, Greg, congrats. Did some did, did surprise cuz I
1: never do research. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a sidekick and I actually came with something tonight.
0: That is awesome, Greg. Way to go. And week story Canadian Idol. That is awesome. What do what song did you sing? Do you remember?
2: I definitely sang I will always love you. Ah. Yeah. Amazing. I think that's my go-to.
0: That's your go-to public song.
2: Yeah, and now people you've got so want, many of your own. Pardon?
0: Now you have so many of your own.
2: Well, exactly. I actually really don't like to sing covers now. Now yeah. that I have my own music, like I really don't want to sing other people's music. <laughs> Occasionally, but
0: yeah, um, we we haven't talked a lot specifically about um, chapter three The come up or your latest interlude nineteen. Um, but seeing that interlude 19 is your latest one. um, Why don't we talk a a, a little bit about that? Tell us about, you know, um, uh, again, I know you like stories and stuff, so there's probably a a theme that goes on there. I read somewhere that if you put all the song titles, it it makes a sentence or something. So tell us about, you know, what what interlude 19 is all about and tell us about that that neat little thing that you have going on with the song titles.
2: So interlude 19... It was, I was just thinking about the time that we were in and I was like, hmm, this seems like purgatory right now. This, uh, like waking up, going to sleep, feeling like every day is the same, not knowing what day of the week it is. You know, it's just like, it was treacherous, especially when when we were in like complete lockdown. And I thought about it and I thought about the saying, you know, um, nothing is permanent, right? Mm -hmm. Everything in life is temporary, So I realized that, you know, this time of COVID, although it seems so treacherous and so long, um, is actually just a blip in time. And it's really just an interlude that's separating two times, um, the time before and the time after, because things are changing very quickly because of it. And um, I wanted a record that was going to express this state of limbo that we were living in and um, the kinds of things that I was reflecting on during that time. And I wanted to, it to have a very quick turnaround as well because I wanted people to have it during hmm. this time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it came about. And then the sentence that it makes is, death don't wait for no one. So live a story worth telling. And um, it's kind of a model that I've lived by ever since I went to India. Um, when I went to India, I had no fear because Mm. I didn't really have much value for my life at the time. You know, something happened to me. I was like, well, so what? It's okay. You know, um, I had nothing to lose. And, um, but the thing is now I have a little bit more fear in the sense that like some good fear that will protect me. (laughs) Um, But it taught me a lesson of just like living life to its fullest because we often separate things into good and bad, black and white. You know, we we go, okay, well, I want more of this thing and I want to avert this thing, you know, Hmm. Um, and that's not life life is not like that. Life is always flowing. It's always, there's always ups, there's always downs. Um, But if we don't perceive them as as ups and downs, and we just perceive them as experiences, then we can enjoy all of life. And so that's essentially what it means, you know, live a story worth telling. It could be a story that like, oh my God, this like, I met this horrible person who did this and this and but at least you met someone, you have you have a story to tell, you know? Like you're not just sitting in your house scared and afraid that life is going to happen. And um, that's what I hope for everyone. I hope that during this pandemic, people don't just stop living and mm. feel afraid because that is what's going to kill you. It's not COVID that's going to kill you. It's not your diabetes. It's not any of those things. It's literally your mentality and your fear that will kill you first. I truly believe that mental health is 50% of your health. And then diet is probably like 30 and exercise is like 20, but like a good half of that is all up here. When I started feeling um, happier, my digestion got better. You know, for five years, I was trying this and that and probiotics and cutting out gluten and cut, you know what I mean? Now I'm just happy. And mm. I can eat a little bit of everything in moderation and I have good digestion. So, you know, so that's kind of that's what I want to leave people with. I hope that I, hey, it's hard, though, because it's very like the, it, it, you can believe, know it in your mind, but to know it in your heart and your soul is, is another thing.
1: That's awesome. And, 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 and again, I, I just love the name of it for this period of time that the, the interlude 19, I just think it's fantastic. Um, one of the things we like to do before we finish off is just get an idea of, you know, what's, what's in your ear lately? What are you listening to?
2: I listen to a lot of Anderson pack because he's my favorite <laughs> of this time. Um, I've also been putting on. I just discovered this playlist on Spotify called Pollen, and it's supposed to be a genreless, um, a genreless playlist. So I've been enjoying that because I've been discovering some really cool music. Some of it I'm like, okay, skip, but like there's some other stuff that I I'm been really enjoying, and I I like that it takes me in different directions. Hmm. Um. And yeah, I've been listening to a lot of world music as well. Like I've been listening to flamenco and like the, like Hindi classics and like things like that. I find a lot of pop music to be very boring and I really hate auto tune. So mm-hmm. majority of stuff, as soon as I hear auto tune on a voice, I usually skip, which ends up being the majority of the playlist. So I don't even bother anymore. Yeah. Um, Cause you really lose the quality of someone's tone and, um, people don't realize it's become an industry standard, which I think is really sad, but there's like textures to people's voice that get lost and character. And I mean, if you look at Bob Marley, he didn't have the most beautiful voice and, but he just had this really unique, beautiful texture and soulfulness. And you lose that with with the Mm -hmm. auto-tune. And, and often people don't even notice that it's happening because it's, it can be quite subtle, right? Like there's things like Melodyne that will change your pitch and, and fix your pitch. And I think it's fine if you need to change the pitch for like one or two notes in your song, because you know the take was just so good. Um, but then when you have the whole song kind of fixed, even mm. just incrementally, even imperceptibly to most listeners, it just doesn't sit the same for me. So I've been listening to more um, world music because of that.
0: Awesome. Well, story, uh, we would love to keep you for so much longer. but uh, <laughs> You uh, can
2: keep me forever.
0: We, we'd <laughs> love, to. <laughs> we would, we would
2: love to. I'll make us dinner. It's a limit for
0: you. As long as you sing, I don't want Greg to sing. He's, oh come on you're, wow, wow. <laughs> that's why greg is a former musician He's,
2: <laughs> you're so mean kareem he he comes-
1: and i put up with this every week <laughs> <laughs> week after week you have no idea mm.
0: <laughs> story thank you thank you so much for your time um i i don't know if i've said it to anyone but uh, when Things get back to in air quotes normal. Um, whether you're in London or here, uh, would love to come and watch you perform. Uh, your, your songs, uh, your, your voice is just amazing. And if you sound great on my laptop watching a YouTube video, uh, you're, you're probably uh, phenomenal live. So, thanks so much for your time. But please, uh, why don't, why don't we uh, t- tell us where? If people want to find your music, find more about you, what you're up to, where can they go online to find out?
2: All right. Um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Um, People can find me mostly the best way, I think, is email because. Um, you never know when a social platform is gonna just close on you, you know. Mm-hmm. So um people can sign up to my email list at storymusic.com. So that's story with two R's, S-T-O-R-R-Y music.com, or all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, TikTok, yeah, I'm on TikTok, um <laughs> YouTube, whatever, story music, s t-o-r-r-y, music. So it's pretty simple.
1: And I can tell you that both of us being digital marketing guys, we love that you started off with the email like that. Because yes. again, it's so many people don't think of it. Right. <laughs> but really, that's that's your money reach.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: always Yep. Anyway.
2: Well, hmm. if you have your stuff on other platforms, you're just. You know, if they change mm-hmm. the rules, like Branding how Instagram space. just decided to not put things in chronological order anymore. And sometimes people just don't see her posts anymore. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. So um, that's why I tell people, if you want to be up to date, then, you know, sign so, up to the email list and make sure I'm on your safe senders list because you don't want it going into promotions. And then the same thing happens. You won't see all of the emails that come. So
1: you're good.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: She's said
1: Thanks. you'll do you know awesome.
2: i got a little bit of a something <laughs> going on here <laughs> story thank you again yes thank you it was my pleasure